Well, it's good to be here, and it's good to have an opportunity to speak to you a little bit about leadership. It's a subject that I um, passionately care about, and it's a subject that I've had the opportunity to teach uh, in different places. Uh, God just gave me a unique opportunity uh, to be able to be in a place of leadership with American Express, and as part of that, I had the opportunity of managing businesses for American Express across 14 countries uh, all, over, all across Asia, and then um, got moved across to Australia uh, to look after Australia, New Zealand, and Korea from there. And in the 28 years, uh, just working across different cultures, working across different levels within the organization, working across businesses, looking at you know, some, some of the countries that we operated in where you just took a blank sheet of paper and just wanted to relook at what strategy was. It was just a great opportunity to learn and grow. But in addition to that, I also had the opportunity during that time to meet many great world leaders and um, just always took advantage of those opportunities to be able to ask good questions and learn as much as we can. And um, if you want to learn and grow, that's a good way to learn. Just always have a list of questions that you're writing down. And uh, when you get opportunity, use the opportunity to be able to learn. But you know, as much as I thought I knew about leadership, it was um, just interesting to see how God has a different perspective as to how he wants to teach us. And as I think about leadership that matters, and I want to speak to you as those that are involved in ministry, um, not, more from, not too much from a corporate perspective, but more from a ministry perspective. And if you think about the world that we're in today, just even from a corporate perspective for a minute, we're in the midst of a massive digital revolution. It's prob probably even bigger than the industrial revolution that took place, but, and it seemed as though that whole movement around digital, you know, just was put on steroids during COVID, it, and you saw that in your own ministries, it just affected every industry, every market uh, around the world. But if you think about what's happened since COVID, and you think about the world that we're in today, we're seeing quite a complex environment that we're all operating in, whether it be in business or whether that be in ministry. And we're seeing the challenges of that. We're seeing, you know, you, you know everybody, all of you here, are aware of the challenges that are taking place around inflation. You're aware of challenges that are taking place with regards to even countries and their foreign exchange reserves that are fast diminishing. You know about the challenges that are taking place with the supply chain, the food shortage, and just the, the energy crisis that's being talked about. So if you think about it from all of those aspects, just the world is in quite a challenge place and a challenging environment. So on the corporate side, the way you did lead three years ago uh, was great at that time, but you've got no assurance that that's going to allow you to be successful today. But in the same token, if you think about ministry today, as to, and we've just heard about all of the challenges in these last couple of days that's taking place on the ministry front, uh, just so many challenges that are taking place. And it's in the United States, it's in Australia, it's in every part of the world. So the question that I want us to consider this morning is, what are we going to do with regards to how we lead? And all of you, I think it was Brother John that talked about it yesterday, you know, all of you are in a place of influence. You all, are in, you all have the opportunity to influence people around you. 
And the question is, how do we actually be the best that we can be in order to influence others in the best way that we can? So as we think about this, I want, you, I want to actually have us look at a portion of scripture. In fact, if you look at Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to, 14, 11 to 14, Romans chapter 13, 11 to 14, here's what it says. And that knowing the times, that now it is high time to awaken out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The next verse, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, as in, as in, as in not in rioting and drunkenness, not in clamoring and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Look at the next verse, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for your flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And we just heard a message on that. If you think about this portion of scripture and what it just starts off with, it's just asking us as those in leadership to think about this particular time. Today matters. And so it's not about whether you can be a great leader tomorrow, but what are you doing as a leader today? And here we are in this portion of scripture challenged with three things. First is that we're being challenged to awaken and get away, get up. Now is the time to get up and act. So don't delay preparing and doing everything that you've got to be doing today in order to be leading today. So that's the first, awaken or wake up. Second is we're being challenged to abandon some things. In other words, he's saying put aside some undisciplined patterns. And I'm talking about undisciplined patterns as a leader. Put, put, put all of that away because there is an urgency with regards to how we should be operating and how we should be conducting ourselves today as a leader. And then he says, adorn some things. And that is that we adorn the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him to accomplish his purpose in our life. That means we're being challenged to be Christ-like today. And as a leader, whether you are working in a secular world or in, a, in, in, a, in the ministry environment, it doesn't matter. You and I are called upon to be Christ-like in how we conduct ourselves. And again, Brother John talked about that yesterday. So today matters. It mattered to Lot. He learned the hard way that today mattered when he hesitated. It mattered to Joshua when he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. Um, and he said, you know, as for me and my house, we're going to make some choices. It mattered to Esther when she was in that place where where she was just called upon to make some decisions with regards to what she was going to do or not to do. And it mattered to Nehemiah when he had to challenge a group of people to be able to hold a sword in the one hand and a brick in the other and continue working because the timing of what they were dealing with mattered. And so that's the first thing I wanted to impress upon you because we're living in quite a challenging and a complex environment there is a need for strong leadership, and the need for strong leadership is today, and today matters. So that's the first. So just for today, I want you to maybe, you know, Pastor Chapel this morning talked about some actions, and maybe you could make a note on a piece of paper, whatever it is that you're taking notes on. 
here are some things that I'm going to commit to doing on a daily basis and make that your list of priorities. For example, you may say, just for today, I will choose to display the right attitude. That's a choice that you've got to make each day. Just for today, I'm going to focus on the right priorities. And again, when you think about priorities, it's not about, it's, you know, are we doing some things that are good that are getting in the way of the great? Of great? Are you doing some things that you feel are important to do, but it's keeping you from God's purpose for your life? You may want to say, just for today, I'm going to communicate with care, whether it's at home or with people around me. Just for today, I'm going to take time to listen and listen to people before I actually just shoot out what I think they should be doing. Just for today, I'm going to have some healthy habits for myself. Just for today, I'm going to prioritize prayer in my life. Just for today, I'm going to be a messenger of the gospel. I had the wonderful opportunity of working with um, someone that was heading up our business for Europe. And he had this great statement that he made, and he said, be your personal best today, every day. Be your personal best today, every day. And yes, we want our lives to be instruments in the hands of an almighty God. And what a great prayer that he would allow us and that we will commit ourselves to being our personal best today, every day. And so as we think about the times that we're living in, we're thinking about you know, how we should be conducting ourselves and how important today is. Someone said, if you don't change the direction that you're going, you'll end up where you're headed. Isn't that an interesting statement? Are you happy with the direction that you're he heading? If you're not, then this is a great time and opportunity to stop and take note. So the why on how we lead matters, but how we lead also as a leader matters. And if you want to be a good leader, there are no shortcuts. You can't microwave leaders, right? You've got to go through the hard years of preparation and work. And one of the things that we must embrace is preparation. And preparation is not something that you do once and then you kind of tick the box saying, I've, I've done it. It's something that happens and must happen in our lives and must happen in your lives on a daily basis. I love to read the Bible and I love to read it from the perspective of looking at leadership principles that I could draw out. Um, John, I'm sure you do the same thing. And so in this last month, the character that I've been looking at is the, is the life of Moses. If you look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 1, or verses uh, from chapter 3 all the way to chapter 4, verse 13, I believe, there are some things that we can learn from how God dealt with Moses, which is a great way for us to think about our own preparation, but it's a great model with regards to how you could also consider how you work with other people. And so as we look at this portion, the first thing that comes to mind is Preparation is costly. And you've got to ask yourself, are you willing to pay the price and are you willing to make some sacrifices that it's going to take for you to be the best that you can be as a leader? And someone said, you must be willing to give up if you are to go up, right? You must be willing to give up if you are to go up. And there is always a price tag. And so here, if you look at this portion of scripture, the first 
principle that you see there is as God desires to work in your life, many times the struggle is that he's looking to get your attention. Moses was probably living a very comfortable life in Egypt. And God had to take him from there and put him in a desert, in the backside of a desert for 40 years as part of his preparation. But I'll tell you what, that's not a story for me from the Old Testament because in my career, I was so focused on success that I thought I had time for God. I was a Christian, I was having my devotions. But I don't think I was listening too well. And I'm sure there were many times God tried to get my attention, but he just couldn't, I guess. And so what he did was he sent a truck that was loaded with 450 pounds of explosive to the building across the street in the country of, in the island of Sri Lanka. And that bomb exploded. And I was one of two and a half thousand people that were critically injured that day, 31st January, 1996. I was left with a group of people that they thought wouldn't even make it, but providentially, God allowed me to be treated, had 23 surgeries, I was taken from Sri Lanka to Singapore with an SOS crew, and then from there to New York. But here's something interesting, because it is for the first time that God had the opportunity to get me in a place where I was alone, where I could do nothing else but listen to what he had to say to me. And so I want to encourage you, because God wants to work in your life. He wants to, you to go through your preparation. Don't wait to spend 40 years on the backside of a desert, or don't wait for a 450-pound explosive. Allow God to have that opportunity. And we see here, as to when, as in, in, in Moses' case, you know, he had to allow God to, to get to a place where God could speak to him. But the second is, Moses not only needed to be in a place where he was alone with God, but he had to get to a place where he was honest with God. And for Moses to get honest with God, something had to happen. His arrogancy, probably that he had picked up in Pharaoh's house, needed to go. The pride needed to go. And in our own life, sometimes that's what gets in the way because we like to pretend that we know it all when God is actually at the same time looking to teach us some things in our own life. The third, Moses had to get to a place where he was hungry for God and a place where he could see God work. And he had to give up self-reliance and become Christ-reliant. And then we see, we also, as you study that portion, you'll see God had to do some breaking. And in all of our lives, if we, if we are to be the best that God can be, God's going to have to break and to mold and to work in us. And we see that, you know, there was some removing of some pride that needed to happen, and there was, some, there was a building of some healthy God reliance that needed to take place in his life. But here's what's interesting. Moses had some fears. And if you read that post portion of scripture, you'll see how God dealt with him in helping Moses deal with those fears. Moses had some doubts about himself. You know, he, if you look at that, he's, he didn't value his own worth, and God had to deal with that. You see that, you know, he wanted to know God more. He said, you know, he said, God, who are you? Right, and God had to actually, God gave him ample opportunity to spend time with him so that he could learn who God was. 
he feared what other people would think about him. Many times in our own leadership, we're afraid of, you know, how we're being actually measured, and God had to deal with that. He feared in his own abilities, and God had to deal with that. The biggest risk to purpose or productivity in our lives is also us focusing on the wrong priorities in our life. So as you're allowing and as God to work in your life, as you're going through your preparation, here's what I want to kind of leave, you know, have you think about. Be mindful of the things that you're working on. You know, don't let, you, the, the worst thing that you can do is get to the end of your life and figure out, figure out that you've been focusing on the wrong things when God wanted you to be doing something else. So God wants to use you greatly as a leader in whatever capacity that you're in, whether it's in the corporate world or on the ministry side, and what that is going to take is preparation. So that's with regards to what God wants to do with us in terms of preparation. The second thing I wanted to touch on is, as a leader, you know, John just spoke about this yesterday, there are some traits that you and I must embrace. The first that I want to call out is that you and I as a leader must learn to be honest. We must learn to be honest with the people that we're dealing with. And as you think about honesty, you know, what does that mean? You must be someone that is worthy of trust. That's going to take that you are someone of integrity. It's going to take that you, it's going to mean that you're going to have to be someone that is authentic. You've got to have strong ties to good values and good ethics in your life. And you've got to be someone that is defining reality. Leadership doesn't mean that you kind of look to cover up what's happening and kind of, you know, give it a false, give everyone a false sense of security. You've got to be able to define reality. But at the same time, you've got to be careful that you're also inspiring hope, right? You don't want to leave people in a place where they feel this is just such a hopeless situation and leave them there. And a good leader is someone that is able to not only define re reality, but inspire hope. So as we think about honesty, being honest, you know, it, who you are matters. And as someone said, who you are matters more than your reputation, which is what others think of you, right? So focus on who you are. Failure, to be honest, it'll poison the team, it'll damage trust between people, and it will break down, you know, cohesion between people. Leadership begins with the leader's heart and sets the tone within the organization. And as a leader, you want to be known as someone that is trustable. So that's the first of the traits that I want to kind of call out that you focus on. The second is, as a leader, you also want to be competent. That means your preparation is absolutely vital. And people need to know that they, are, that they can be confident about your capability. And that's made up of two things. Where you have been, that's your track record. And that matters. And what you have done also matters because that's your proven ability. And people need to be able to know that. Influence in confidence, it doesn't mean that you've got to be an expert in everything. But here's what you've got to be. You've got to be somebody that is asking the right questions of experts and bringing the right people together. 
Both of those are vital. You've got to ask the right questions of the right people, and then you've got to make sure that you're bringing the right people around. So as part of being competent, here are three golden rules. The first is you've got to learn to listen. Learn to listen and learn to ask questions. The second is listen with the intent of wanting to learn. Don't listen with just wanting the other person on the other side of the table or in the room to stop talking so that you can tell them what you want to. Listen, learn, and do both of those, which is the third lead. Right? You've got to do all three. And all of those three bring about confidence and they communicate your competence. The third is, as a leader, you also must be someone that inspires. You've got to be somebody that inspires. And as I talked about, you've got to inspire hope. That means you've got to be enthusiastic and passionate. You've got to con communicate in a way that people know, without doubt, that you believe in what you're saying. Right? So that's, that's, that's vital. You've got to be enthusiastic. You've got to be passionate. And as a leader, you've got to focus on the cause. And you've got to address the question of why what you are asking people or you're inspiring people to do matters. And it's not just about getting the set of numbers at the end of the year or getting some targets that you've, got to set for, that you've set for yourself because people want to be part of a cause. And if you challenge, when you're challenging people, especially when it comes to vision, and we'll talk a little bit about that, not only do you, should you be inspiring hope, but as a leader, it's important that we learn to communicate effectively. Communicating effectively means that you're not only talking about that greater purpose, but you've got to be contagious in your enthusiasm. You've got to be consistent in the message that you want to communicate. And you want to be able to communicate effectively across all of the levels within the organization. Right? And you've got to make sure that you're able to do that effectively. The third element as part of inspiring is We've talked about inspiring hope. We've talked about communicating effectively. The third is inspiring others to internalize and personalize the vision. You know, it doesn't really matter if it's your vision. The way to be most effective is to get other people to internalize and own it and make it their own. And when you do that, you've succeeded as a leader because they will drive that conversation from there on. In order to do that, two things need to take place. The first is that they must buy into your dream. They must buy into your dream. So when you're communicating a vision, time doesn't really matter, but timing matters greatly. You know, you want to be careful that when, the, when your ministry or there's some struggle that's going on or whether your business is doing, not doing too, too well, that's not the time for you to communicate how you want to kind of, you know, where this business is going to be five years from now. So think about the timing of when you communicate because you want to get buy-in. Because at the end of the day, as you inspire your people, people that are working with you, people that are working around you, people that you've got the opportunity to influence, that vision needs to become a shared vision. And that's your goal, and that's what you're trying to get to as a leader. Three, a leader not only, as you think about traits, not only needs to be honest. We've talked about humility yesterday. Not only does he need to be competent, not only does he need to inspire, but as a leader, you want to be forward-focused. 
I love what John, John, what was that that you said? You said continuously, what was that? A plan for continuing advantage. A plan for continuing advantage, I, I love that. Now, because as a leader, that's what you want to be. It's not about where you're getting to tomorrow, but how do you ensure that you are forward focused to take whatever that has been entrusted to you just way into the future? And in order to do that, there are four things that I want you to note down. The first is the ability to look ahead, envisioning the future. The ability to look ahead, envisioning the future. As a leader, you must be the one that is seeing more, but also seeing before. And by the way, if there's somebody else in the room that is seeing more than you are and seeing before than you are, you're not really the leader. Or you're falling short. As a leader, you must also recognize other factors of, that, of influence. In other words, you want to look at morale. You want to look at energy. You want to look at momentum. You want to look at the culture. You want to look at timing. And you want to look at how you look, take into consideration all of these factors and then steer the course with what you are looking to accomplish. Ability to look ahead, envisioning the future. The second is, know where, you, know where you are going. You've got to have absolute clarity with regards to where you're heading. Not content with the things as they are, but focused on the things as they can be with regards to a better future. And third, as you are forward focused, know what you need to do. Know what you need to do and know what your people need to do. In other words, have a defined destination, have a defined pathway, and ensure that you have the enlisted the right people to be able to get you to where you want to get to. And as you think about all of these four traits, finally, I'd say that the heart of leadership, as, and as you focus on the heart of leadership, you've got to focus on two areas. And here's the first. Cultivate relationships. You know, if you read that book, Five Levels of Leadership, it's a great book. I would encourage all of you to get it and lead it. And a place that you start is a positional leader. And while that's a good place to start, that's not the place to stay. You don't want to be the one that's telling people to do it because they, you, said, you said they have to do it, right? Um, that's like the military where you get started. Right? But you want to move on from there into becoming a relational leader. You want to be the kind of leader that knows everything about the people that you're working for, that, that are working for you. You've got to know their, the, what's taking place in their home. You've got to take time to get to know people and build a relationship. Because when you build that relationship, then people will be willing to give up a lot more than you think they will be to support you in getting to your dream. Cultivate relationships. Serving and empowering the others is another critical area. You've got to, as we heard yesterday, be mindful that as a leader, you are to be a servant leader. And as being a leader and as a servant leader, an important principle is that we learn to empower others. You can't give them authority and not empower them. Both of those go hand in hand. And both of those are critical if you are to actually grow beyond yourself because you want to allow others, you want to be able to train others, help others, develop others, and then empower others. And as I say that, I think about the fact that one of the biggest things that you and I can be doing as leaders 
is adding value to other people. Our role is to come alongside people and add value. You know, nobody, you know we sh in the corporate world, many times you have leaders that focus on their own success, and they drive their people to come along and help them get to what they want to get to. But a true leader is someone is, that looks for to add value to other people. And then finally, you want to be able to build a team. You want to be able to build a t team, not an empire, right? Because that's what leadership is all about. You want to be able to bring people and help people work together and win. And, and a, team is some, a team that wins, right? When you come alongside, you want to be able to win. And winning is not about winning once. Winning is about being consistent. And that means you've got to teach them how to win over and over again. Many times what happens is we've, got, we've done something great and then we spend the rest, year, rest of the year you know, taking that trophy on parade all around and we forget about how we are to keep winning over and over and over again and the need for that. And in order to be a leader that is actually adding value, building great teams, we must be people-centric. We must be people-centric as leaders and I spoke about modeling leadership behaviors, and we've got to learn to be humble and um, help people with the things that, they, that we want them to focus on. On this next slide there, I've actually listed out some questions with regards to, and I've intentionally, I don't know whether you read the book, Leadership. It's an interesting term, because as leaders, We've got to constantly examine how we are leading. So look at some of the questions that I've just put up there. Am I focused on building an empire or building leaders around me? It's a good question for us to ask ourselves whether we're leading or whether we are influencing people. The second, how am I consistently adding value? How are you adding value to people around you? Or is your day made up of meetings and agendas and things that you want to get through? Or are you consciously adding value in the lives of your people? Three, what do people want from me daily that they may not want to ask? Have you asked people that question? What, they, what they want from you? And all of these are great questions, and um, we'll make sure that you get a copy of these. But as we think then finally and move beyond not only the urgency and the need for preparation, not only focus on the traits that are important to us as a leader, I want to talk to you about some, when leaders are at the best are when they're doing five things. And I'm going to quickly go through that in the interest of time, we've got 20 minutes, and I not, may not be able to get too deep into many of these, but I'm more than happy to ask some of the questions. So the first is, as a leader, you and I must model the way. That's what we're called to do. So great leaders, Leaders that are at their best are leaders that are modeling the way. And how do you model the way? The first is that it's important for us to clarify values and affirm shared values. It's a really important step in order to be able to get people on board and keep people connected together. Clarify values, clarify what's important to you and clarify some things that you stand by, and talk to them about values that they treasure and they hold on to, and those are the shared values that you want to talk about. 
And then as a leader, it's important that you're modeling that in everyday leadership and in everyday life. Not just in the workplace, but they must see you modeling that all the time, you know, in whatever environment you find yourselves in. So that's the first. The second is we must learn to set the example. In other words, we've got to align our actions to those shared values. Right? You've got to be able to demonstrate that these are not only the values, but these are the values that I live by. And it's important that you are able to link and label some of the things that you are doing back to those shared values so that they are able to see the connection. Because many times we think we form the connections, but they don't, think, they don't see it. So it's important that we learn to link and label, and we're learning to communicate and consistently communicate why that's important. So that's the first principle with regards to you know, when leaders are at their best, they're modeling the way. The second is, I spoke about vision earlier, and I spoke about, um, you know, just that leaders are somebody, people that inspire. But I want to talk to you about the vision. How do you create a vision? And as you create a vision, you probably, you're out there as a leader. You're thinking about what's possible. And you're thinking about what the future or future state could be of the aspect of you know, whatever it is that you're leading, either that could be your business, that could be something in the area of ministry, whatever that is to you. And you're thinking through that. And it's important then that you not only have thought through what the vision is, that you're able to include others in actually refining that vision. That's an important step in getting buy-in and in, in also ensuring that the vision is the best that it can be. You know, many times we think that we've got a monopoly on all of the great ideas. But it's great for us to be able to get a group of people that we can talk to, share some thoughts with, and allow that thought to kind of, you know, just um, be on the boiler for a little while uh, till you get to a place where it's actually well refined. As someone said, it's good for you to, even at that stage, take some time daily to write that out. And next day, write it out anew. The next day, write it out anew. And if you did that for 30 days, at the end of that 30-day cycle, you will have a vision that you're able to internalize, you see very clearly, and you've been able to refine first in your own mind. And again, as we think about ministry, I would say that's something that you're going to be praying about. That's what you're talking to God about, and that's what you're asking him to impress upon your heart with regards to how you move forward. So important step there. Uh, with regards to how you think about a shared vision. And again, two, two aspects that I want to call out. Envision the future by imagining exciting transformational poly, you know, possibilities. Envision the future by imagining exciting transformational possibilities. We've talked about today, California for Christ. What a fantastic opportunity but very often when we think about a vision, we kind of think about it from the perspective of resources that we have. And that is a dangerous way to approach thinking about a vision. It's great for you to think about where you currently are and think about what your point of arrival is as far as those possibilities are concerned. Once you have the two ends framed up, then is the time to think about how do you go from point A to point B, and you want to be able to then think about a phased approach 
or a roadmap with regards to how you're getting there. And that phased approach, that's when you start thinking about, look, here's what we have right now in terms of resources. We've got 50 pastors that are willing to go out, or we've got five people that are willing to do this. And you're looking at how you, how you start off there, and you're think th thinking through the rest of the phases and the resources that you need. And that's an important part of that. So think about the future state and think about what that looks like. And once you've defined that very clearly, um, it's good for you to also then look at some markers that you can put in there and say, look, if here's where we are in that state of realization of that vision, then here's what our business would be looking like, or our organization would be looking like, or our ministry would be looking like, what that, whatever that is for you. So think through that. The second is, as you're thinking about a shared vision, enlist others in internalizing the vision, as we spoke about already, and that's the only way that you're going to make it a shared vision. The third is, I want to speak about considering the process. Right? So we've talked about how, as a leader, it's important for you to model the way. The second is we've talked about how it's important for you to inspire a shared vision, not your own, but a shared vision. The third is we've got to think about the process that I just talked about. And in this, the first is we've got to be strategic in our thinking. We've got to be strategic in our thinking. And second, we've got to be structured in our approach. I love the way Pastor Chapel yesterday went through you know, just that whole, you know, with regards to their whole soul winning program and, you know, just how they actually enlist and that whole process and how it is so well thought through right from that first time of visitation all the way through at actually till you kind of got somebody embedded into the church and all of the steps involved in that. And with anything that you do, whether it's a, a small group, whether it's a youth group, whether it is anything that you're focused on, it's important that we think for strategically, but we're also thinking in a very structured way in our approach. Next, we've got to look at how we then enable others. That's the fourth step of leadership. If you are at your best, you will be modeling the right behavior. You will be enlisting others in a shared vision. You will be thinking about you know, how you are to enlist others and you know how you consider the process and then how you enable others to act and again two things that i wanted to call out here the first is you've got to strengthen others by developing one competence and then the empowerment that we talked about earlier if you are to enable others to act you've got to support their training and their development you know many times in leadership we make the mistake of knowing in, who in our team we can trust because they've done some good work before, and we keep going back to them over and over and over again. And we assume people are skilled and will to support every task. But there's a principle which is called situational leadership where you've got to think about an individual's readiness with regards to a task, and you assess readiness based on a task. And readiness is made up of two things, the skill and the will. So let's take, let's take an example. I was telling Brother Choi this the other day as I was driving through, you know, as we were coming from the airport. If you, if you had a little child that you thought to ride a bicycle, 
You know, in, it, in the initial phase, they were probably, you were dealing with all the fears that they had, and you got them seated on that, you told them where the handle was, you gave them specific, you know, some education around what, what a bicycle is and how it operates, and you put them to sit there and you had those guide wheels and you still actually kind of dealt with the fears that they had and helped them to learn to pedal, right? You were teaching the skill and you were also dealing with the will at the same time. Now, over time, as they became a little more confident and a little more competent, you probably actually took one of the guide wheels off and you kind of just helped them through that learning curve. You would have that child then get to a place where they were very comfortable riding. And now without any guide wheels, they're riding that bike on their own and they're trying to show off as to how fast they can go. Now, in that process of having learned to ride the bike and they're just riding it very well, you don't need to come the next day to that child and say, look, I'm going to show you what the handle is and what the handle does and all of that. Right? They've learned all that. But all you're doing is just motivating them to get better. You're dealing with the will. Right? Now, what did you do in the initial phase of getting that child started? You were very directional. You were telling them, this is what I want you to do. This is, what I want you this is where I want you to sit. Here's how I want you to hold the handles. And you were very instructive in that process. But you also supported the will to be able to kind of get them to get started. Now, imagine that same child, grown up a few years, you now got them to a place where you've got them a new bike. And they've now struggled to get onto this bike and their feet barely touch the ground. What's happened with this child? Have they lost the skill? No, they still know how to pedal. But what it, what's happened is the confidence has suddenly kind of disappeared. And that's the will. And they don't want to try it out. Now, in that instance, what are you doing as a leader? You're not directing them, but you're coming alongside, you're supporting, you're guiding. And when it comes to leadership and leading people, we've got to be careful that this is exactly what we are doing. You don't want to go to somebody in your team that is skilled and to do a particular task. Let's say, let's say to organize a youth group or to run a youth group, and they've run a youth group before. Now, you don't need to get them in front of you and say, here's how I want you to do this. Here's how I want you to do this. You don't want to be very directional, but you want to kind of guide them in their thinking. And so it's important that we, ident we learn to identify an individual skill and will level for any particular task and then determine what is the right leadership style that is necessary to help them. And the styles go from anything from directing to guiding to supporting and delegating. By the way, I said delegating, not abdicating. Right? Because even in that final state, it's important that you give them the freedom to think through how something should be done, plan out how, should be done, how it should be done, but you still want to have some checklists in place to make sure that there aren't going to be any surprises at the end. Because you still want something done in a certain way, and you want certain things accomplished in that process. So as a leader, it is important that you learn to identify. And in order to identify, you've got to learn to ask questions. And have 
a structured approach of engagement and a structured approach of how you're going to be dealing with them. I'm just going to rush on here in the interest of time. But strengthen others by developing competence is what we just spoke about. But secondly, in order to help people to act, you also have got to ensure that you foster a culture of collaboration, trust, accountability, and a will to win. A culture of collaboration. I didn't say cooperation, because cooperation is where everybody kind of comes together. Collaboration is where you come along and we are challenging each other. And that's the culture that you want. Not people just being silent and walking away and say, OK, I'll do everything that you want. That doesn't help, because you're not getting the best of everybody in the room. But you want a culture where people challenge each other and then learn to pick the best idea and then be able to get 100% behind that idea as a team. That's what you want. That's the culture of collaboration and a culture of trust that we spoke about earlier, but a culture of accountability. It's extremely important that we teach people in our teams ownership and accountability to the things that they are to deliver. Because a team is at its best only when every individual is at, its, at his, his or her personal best. And that's when the team then comes together. So as a leader, it's important that you know how to get the best out of every individual. And you're also able to bring them together as a team that is cohesive and is able to work together. And accountability and ownership are a critical part of that. And then finally, a culture where there is a will to win. A will to win. And a will to win over and over and over again. You know, uh, one of the sports that I like to follow is Formula One, the F1, the races. And I like to follow that because it's just an amazing, you know, just what happens in bringing that together is just quite phenomenal. From everybody that deals with the logistics of moving all of those cars, all of those spare parts, all of those people, week after week from country to country and setting it up to make sure that they're set up to get started. And then there is the whole engineering team that works behind the scenes on making sure that car is, is at its optimal. And that car being at its optimal is dependent on the track, it's dependent on the climate and the weather in that particular country at that particular day. And everybody has to be their best from that perspective. And then it's the driver. And so when they win, they basically win together as a team. And that's the culture that we need. So as we talked about how leadership matters, and we talked about when leaders are at their best, we've talked about the preparation. We've talked about the traits that are important. And we've talked about the kind of leadership, how you lead, and why it matters. What, how you, it's about how you model leadership. It's about how you inspire shared values. It's about how you have a process that is able to, you're focused on the process, and that's the exec execution side. We've talked about how you enable others to act, and finally, how you encourage the heart. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Because if you do all of those other things and you're not actually kind of thanking, learning to thank people, learning to appreciate people, you'll never get the best out of them tomorrow. And so therefore, reward 
and I'm not meaning monetary here, even though that, that's important, but it's the re re reward and timely recognition is critical in order to get the best of your team over and over again. But second, it's about creating that connected team that is celebrating victories and celebrating values. Celebrating victories and celebrating values. Both of those are important because finally, that's what people sign up for. And you want to make sure that the people that are working for you, it doesn't matter whether they're voluntary or whether they're paid, that they long to get out, get out of bed and walk through the door each day. And that would only happen is if you as a leader is someone that is genuinely interested, not just in your goal, but in their life, and that you're helping them on a pathway by adding value into their lives and helping them accomplish their own, their own purpose and their own dreams. And that's what we're required to do even as children of God, as leaders in the ministry. You will have people that are in your church, in your ministry, for whom God has a defined purpose. Our jobs as leaders is to help them discover that purpose and then prepare and then live out that purpose on a daily basis. I'm gonna just pause there. We've just pretty much just up to time. If, I just want to see if there's a question that anyone has. More than happy to answer. If I don't, John's there, right there. I'm going to just pass it on to him. Yes, sir. Not all. They're just the questions were from there. Um, but I, I'm more than happy to give you some other books that uh, are great reading. Any other question? Yes. Uh, are, you, are you at college? What do you tell me a little bit about what you're doing? Uh, well, I have a business, so... Okay. There's some great books, actually. Um, but I would actually first encourage you to get a book um, uh, which is on personal development. Uh, that's a great place to start um, with regards to how do we actually have a structured personal development plan. And that personal development plan is made up of things that are important for you as a leader uh, of a business. It's important for you with regards to how you want to grow your business. And I've got two or three names that I can give you right after this. Is that okay? When, when there's a problem uh, with, with uh, values, there's another potential leader without the shared values. Um, how, do you, how do you bring about that change, that shift in their mind, even though they're a as well, uh, so that you can go forward? Or do you just dismiss them, or how do you bring them on? Yeah, great, great, great question, um, Brad. The, um, a couple of, couple of thoughts just that come to mind here. The first is, I think uh, it's good to have, you know, ideally meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, right? And in actually sharing vision, sometimes that's a great way to do it, where you're getting your core people and you're talking to them one-on-one, -on -one, and you're addressing questions they have and concerns they have, um, just in order to be able to kind of allow them to see where you're going, right? So that's the first, uh, as a step, I would kind of encourage uh, that we consider. The second is, it's important for them to see why you believe this is possible. And again, that's going to, your track record is a big part of that. 
if they see that you're someone that's actually just developed good credentials in terms of and credibility by what you said you were going to do and how you've done that, it makes it, they, they, they believe in that. Now, many times where the disagreement would come up is with regards to strategy, not necessarily with the vision, but the, the way to get there, right? And um, in that, I kind of just think it's a great opportunity to have people articulate why, what they believe is a good option or good, good approach from a strategy perspective and ask the, ask the questions and you know, look, look at the pros and cons. And as you look at the pros and cons then, and you then bring the team together, you've not only got everybody's ideas, you've got everybody's thoughts and everybody's recommended approaches, but as you think through the pros and cons, then as a team, you're able to determine what is that right approach. Um, if all of that is able to work, then you're able to actually get the buy-in. But if it, at the end of the day, if you feel that somebody is standing in the way, then it is critical as a leader that you've got people that actually have brought in and are aligned and are supportive of the journey uh, because otherwise it'll only kind of corrupt the team. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, what would you say would be the biggest difference in leadership in dealing with someone who is a paid individual as opposed to a volunteer and dealing with the motivational side of it, but also um, the uh, <clears throat> accountability side of it? It's a great question, actually. Um, with those that are paid, uh, I was at uh, lunch once with uh, John Maxwell, and he said, I don't pay people to come and tell me what the problems are in the organization. I can get that free. But I pay people to not just think about the problems, but what the solutions are. So with someone that's a part of your organization that is a paid employee, I would encourage you to constantly challenge them to become people that are thinking about solutions. So, in fact, I've just put into practice in my own life, if somebody comes with a challenge, I don't allow them to leave the room without asking, so what is your recommendation? Right? And you coach your people to think beyond the challenge. And in fact, even in any of our presentations, we don't let them use a slide, we say these are the challenges. That's fine, we want to address all, we want to know all of the challenges, but that's on one half of the slide. The other half of the slide is what is the response? How are you going to deal with that? And so in, with an employee, uh, someone that's part of, the, part of the team, I'd encourage you to cultivate that culture. With the volunteer side, that's not the easiest because they can ask us to take a hike, right, on any given day. But there it's all about then just the course and how the shared values becomes a big part of that, where you're getting them to see why this is important and why this is actually even important for them and buy into that. And once people buy into that, then you have their support uh, in, in that journey. Brother John, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that? You were spot on, Randy. Yeah, so that's, that would be a uh, great question. Any other, one last question, and then we're done. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening patiently. It's just been great to talk to you. Uh, if you have any other questions, more than happy to just sit and chat. Uh, I love this topic of leadership, and uh, anytime uh, you've got a question, thank you.